0: Hey y'all, this is Andy. Uh, In case I haven't met you before, I'm on staff here at The Bridge Mantras as the director of Gathered Life. For the last couple weeks since the start of June, I've been leading us through a sermon series on living on earth as exiles. And exile is a term that you may or may not hear that much anymore. Uh, I realized recently that kind of a more modern term, synonymous with exile's expatriate, in case that helps at all, Uh, And our our basic definition for an exile is someone who is living outside of their true homeland. And in God's eyes and in his word, in the Bible, uh, we see that everyone who puts their faith in God are exiles, temporarily living on earth, destined for a better heavenly homeland. And I think it's worth mentioning right up from the start that exile, even though oftentimes in other contexts it can be used as a punishment, for us it isn't a punishment. Our exile is actually the result of a new identity that we've been given in Christ and a new inheritance of eternal life in the land of our Father. And so uh, we get this terminology of exile specifically from Hebrews 11, verses 13 to 16 sixteen, uh, which is our passage for this entire series, so I want to read that just to refresh everyone on that. Hebrews eleven thirteen to sixteen says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So this passage is talking about some major figures of faith in the Old Testament. Um, and from this passage, three truths that I, that, uh, that we get that I want us to remember as we go through this series is, first, that as heavenly citizens in earthly exile, we can't ever expect to feel truly at home here on earth. Uh, second, we, we can endure through the difficulties of earthly exile by setting our eyes and our hopes uh, on the better heavenly homeland that God has promised to us. And third... Uh, Through it all, God is proud to be called God of us, his exiles, however uh, imperfect yet faithful we are. And so on top of those three points, um, we've been looking at specific individuals each week. And so the the first week of the month, we looked at Abraham and how he trusted God, uh, God, God's promises and plans. And that gave him the strength and the courage to obey and obey the call to go out into exile. And last week, we looked at Moses' willingness to abandon his own comfort um, in obedience to God's call to lead God's people out of enslavement. So this week, what we're talking about specifically is the challenge that comes intrinsically of, of being in exile. Um, uh, that, with the challenge that is knowing how to adapt faithfully uh, to our place of exile without assimilating selfishly as if it is our home. And maybe the state of the world as it is right now is making it a little easier than normal to accept and believe and feel that this world truly is not our home. And I know that's definitely been true for me, Um, but even still in the midst of personal and global suffering, there's a constant temptation that I felt uh, to pursue things in a way that, that makes it look like I do believe that this place is my home. So today, we're going to spend time seeing how Daniel of the Old Testament adapted to his place of exile without assimilating it, assimilating to it like his home. So let me pray for us and we'll dig into his story. Heavenly Father, um, God, I thank you that uh, your word is eternal. Your word is an extension of you. Uh, Your word is your life extended to us. There's truth and joy and love to be found um, in what you have spoken for eternity, God. And I pray that today, that as, as we look into your word, as we uh, look into the life of, of Daniel, a man who followed after you in very hard circumstances, God, I pray that we would be encouraged, we would be um, grown and challenged by it, that we would be um, better equipped to, to live this life of exile well, God, uh, I thank you that we can depend on you for all of this and not our own strength or even one another's strength, God, but simply we can depend on you. So thank you for this time, and I pray that you would uh, speak powerfully, God, uh, in spite of me knowing that I am weak right now, God, and I uh, I can only offer so much, God, but you are, you are the God of this truth and this life. And so, um, yeah, we offer all these things up to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So, uh, Daniel was an Israelite. He was an Israelite who lived during a very dark time, in particular, in uh, Israel's history. So Jerusalem, which was the capital city of Judah, uh, what, w- which is also where the temple of God, the one temple of God was, was conquered by the foreign nation of Babylon. And over a period of time, the royalty, the nobles, the tradesmen, and general population of Jerusalem and the greater country of Judah were forcibly removed from their city and land, and the temple itself was destroyed. Uh, and so in, this, in the first wave of this conquest, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, um, had some of the most important people brought from Jerusalem to Babylon as captives. And what he did was, he specifically deported the youngest generation of Jewish royalty and nobles. And you might, I think it's important to, to realize that one of the reasons that he might do this is because he was fundamentally hoping to convert uh, the Jews into Babylonians in every way, including by their faith. He wanted to assimilate them into his, his own culture, which would have thereby erased God's chosen people from the face of the earth. So Daniel was one of these uh, young royals slash nobles in captivity and service to King Nebuchadnezzar, where he was to be brainwashed, essentially brainwashed to become a good Babylonian. So it wouldn't be shocking if Daniel had chose to completely cooperate and comply with everything that the king and king had asked of, of the captives, just so that he might simply hope to survive. But what's remarkable is right from the start, Daniel uh, did anything but that. He did not just assimilate, he didn't just put his keep his head down and go with the flow. And uh, God actually gave specific instructions to these exiles, including Daniel, through the prophet Jeremiah, which we can find in Jeremiah 29. So I want to read just a small excerpt from Jeremiah 29, verses 5 to 7, which is, this is God's direct instructions to Daniel and his fellow exiles. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare." So God's instructions here were for the the Jewish exiles in Babylon to adapt, to adapt to this place, to make make lives for themselves, um, and to act for the better of the city as a whole. And what we're going to see as we uh, look at certain parts of Daniel's life in captivity and exile. Is that he did just that? He adapted faithfully, but he didn't assimilate selfishly to protect himself or just because he had nothing else to do. So, the first instance we're going to look at from Daniel's life is found in the first chapter of Daniel, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. Um, and we're, I just want to read from Daniel 1 8. And after it, the book has already said that the king. Uh, during the three years of training for Daniel and his fellow um, exiles, uh, the king would be providing f- the food and drink from his very own table. So Daniel eight says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. So why would eating the king's food defile Daniel? That's a strong word to, to begin with. And why would Daniel refuse and thus risk offending his captors, possibly to be punished or killed. I mean, and on on the flip side, thinking of the positive thing that he'd be missing out on is that that food would have probably very likely been the best in the whole land. It's from the king's table. And so I kind of imagine that like a modern day equivalent would be like refusing to eat at a steakhouse where, you know, they have like six ounces of steak for $150 or something crazy like that but you get to do that every day for free. So Daniel was refusing something of that nature. So the, 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 the main reason Daniel refused to defile himself as, as the text says is because Babylon's diet, uh, it violated the holiness laws that God had given his people Israel. So Daniel was unwilling to compromise on something so seemingly innocuous because he was determined to continue living in absolute faithfulness to God so that everyone else could see the benefits of living in alignment with this God. Daniel didn't completely conform and assimilate because he desired to be a powerful representative for God amongst a people that were far from him, the people of Babylon. So one of the underlying reasons God calls all his people to live distinct holy lives, is so that the world can see the uniqueness of God himself. And I think just thinking about the moment we're in right now, the things that we're collectively facing create a unique opportunity for us as Christians. The way we cope with the uncertainty, the dangers and restlessness that come from this pandemic, and the way we advocate and speak in this conversation on racial justice and equality, those create opportunities for us. It seems like the world is handling COVID by either living in denial and acting t- very recklessly or by getting upset at the people that are doing that. And, and regarding this whole, uh, the issue of racism, most of America seems to be trying to shout loud enough to just drown out the opposition. That seems like it should be true on both sides. And so in a time of, of such polarized conflict and this constant public shaming that can occur from either side. We have, we as Christians, as God's people, as God's set apart people, we have the opportunity to live as as caregivers, as peacemakers, as ministers equipped with the message of reconciliation and the very spirit of God living within us. So when we have an uncompromising devotion to live God's way, the way Daniel did, with, with grace and mercy and generosity, compassion, justice and in a unique way, um, it sends a message to those who are far off from God that he's a good God who's in control and is worthy of our greatest devotion. So the second example from Daniel's life of him not assimilating but adapting was in the way he used his platform and the opportunities given to him to rebuke arrogant human power. He spoke God's truth to power. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the, the first king that Daniel served under, had two haunting dreams that Daniel was, was called on to interpret, and Daniel ended up interpreting both these dreams correctly by the grace of God, the provision of God, and he did it in a way that was convincing to the king, but both of these dreams, the interpretations, were very humiliating to the king. It, the king's first dream foretold that he, he would um, be succeeded, overthrown in a way by an inferior kingdom and his second dream foretold of a period of time when the king would kind of go crazy and end up literally living amongst animals of the field eating the grass until quote the uh, he knew that quote that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will so daniel relayed these humiliating messages directly to the king who lived in a way that had completely denied God's supremacy and goodness, and even his his very existence. Daniel did this by explicitly and repeatedly describing God as the one God of heaven, and as the one God who gave King Nebuchadnezzar all his power and wealth. We don't have time to read Daniel 2 and 4, but I really encourage you to take time to read the, the Daniel's interpretations, and you'll see the language and the way that Daniel talks about God he makes sure to point out that God is the source of everything that he's revealing that God is the source of the king's power so because Daniel did this the same king who had originally sought out to convert Israelites into Babylonians went from worshiping Babylon's gods to saying in Daniel 4 34 to 35 At the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and He does according to His will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? So we get this, we we get a glimpse into this miraculous conversion, which was only possible because Daniel used his platform and his opportunities put before him. And what he did was he openly and unapologetically testified Uh, about God's reality and supremacy and power rebuking human false arrogance. Uh, Daniel didn't try to play it safe. He was honest and clear that God was the source of Nebuchadnezzar's power and the revealer of these deep mysteries. Daniel didn't take any credit, and he didn't uh, try and and play it safe there. So most of us may never have... uh, an opportunity to directly influence or speak to someone of such immense power like a king. But we will all have opportunities in our lives to speak up against human arrogance and pride which ultimately are denying and dishonoring God and his supremacy in the universe. Speaking up is never a popular thing. Daniel didn't do it because it was popular. His motivation was to give God proper glory. And to see people come to God. And so that should be our motivation when we find ourselves in those situations. I know for me, it's really hard to have that confidence to in a moment when you're not expecting it, when it's with maybe someone you care a lot about and you respect a lot and who respects you and trusts you to speak up when you hear a false statement about human pride and arrogance, not acknowledging that God is the source of everything that is good, and he's the source of all of our strength and ability and gifts. So it is it is our responsibility as God's people, like Daniel did, to speak up against bastions of human arrogance and power that really deny God as the ultimate source of all that is good and just. So finally, the last part of Daniel's story that we're going to look at is the years um, just where he ended up after years of of very steadfast and God-centered service to the kings of Babylon. Daniel became the most powerful man in Babylon other than the king and he wasn't even Babylonian and that was the only reason he reached that status was because he had remained faithful to God, living God's way all the time, adapting without assimilating. So But by the time Daniel was serving his fourth king, believe it or not, many Babylonian officials had grown extremely jealous of his stature. And so they tricked that king into signing legislation that punished anyone who worshipped anyone other than the king with a death sentence. So I'm going to read Daniel 6.10, which is describing Daniel's response after this legislation had been signed by the king, the king had been deceived. Daniel 6.10 says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So knowing that the punishment for him worshiping God as he always had would be death, being thrown into the lion's den, um, Daniel did not let that fear, the, 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 the threat of death, stop him from continuing to worship God. He didn't let human opinion or law deter him from uh, doing, doing what was ultimately right. And really, this is the ultimate expression of adapting without assimilating. He had, he had been a faithful servant to the kings of Babylon, and he had adapted in that way very well but he had never abandoned God himself. And so here, to defy the laws of the land he had served so faithfully by worshiping God still is, is the ultimate expression of this adaptation without assimilation. So for us, it, we, 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 in America, we may not face that. I hope we never face that. There's the possibility, you, you never know. But all the same, right at this moment, for us in America, we, we, we don't face this imminent threat of death for worshiping God but there's so many other ways in which the the world and culture entice us to worship other gods they they either make the worship of our God uh, to be something shameful or they try to polish up and make worship the, worshiping the gods of health or wealth or reputation and self um, those are all gods that we can often be uh, deceived or intimidated into worshiping, but but like Daniel, we have the freedom to say no. We can say, no, I'm going to continue worshiping God because I believe he is the source of every joy and purpose and pleasure that I would ever need in my life. It, it, it takes a daily vigilance to, to be aware of the ways that, that we are being intimidated or deceived out of worshiping God, but I believe that like Daniel we can we can fix our eyes knowing that God is, is 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 worthy God is worthy so you if you're watching this and you don't really identify as someone who believes in God or, or, or follows follows Jesus it it would be really easy to think and hear all this and think that this is this unwavering devotion to an invisible God is essentially a suicidal fanaticism and I would like if I were to choose I might agree it is crazy especially if Jesus was not real and if he didn't resurrect from the dead in one of his letters to uh, to uh, the New Testament Church Paul said that if Christ has not been raised our faith is in vain he says it that plainly and that simple if, if Jesus has not resurrected from the dead this is all meaningless so obviously we haven't had the chance to specifically talk about Jesus resurrection but I hope that as we've explored Daniel's life and see the way that he lived it, the way that he uncompromisingly worshipped God, adapting to this place of exile, which many would think of as punishment, that we would see that God is worthy, that God is worthy of being known, of being followed, of being worshipped, of being trusted. God, The God who Daniel was willing to be persecuted and killed for is the same God who sacrificed his only son, Jesus, so that we could be redeemed to him so that we could rejoin him in his land so for those of us that do follow jesus just just reminders that we have the opportunity to to live in a set apart distinct way like daniel did uh, that it might uh, be be a testament uh, to those who don't believe in god Uh, and secondly that we are called to confront human arrogance and power and pride with God's truth and the fact that God is real whenever we have those opportunities. And even when human institutions criminalize or shame the worship of God, we worship God regardless because He is worthy, because we don't fear what whatever may come. So I say all these things and Maybe you've been thinking, like, feeling overwhelmed, honestly, because those are not easy things to do. They're not easy ways to live life. That's that's what a life of exile is at times. Is it's hard. But but it is, wor- it is possible, and it's worth pursuing, because the Spirit of God does live within each and every one of his people. And so we have his strength within us and within one another, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we have the Spirit of God within each and every one of us uh, so that we can lean upon each other, we can listen, we can encourage and strengthen and direct and guide. And so I just invite us, uh, invite y'all, as, as as you've been reflecting on this, as as you head into your house church discussions to really take the opportunity to consider how is it that God is calling me to live a set-apart life? How is it that God is calling me to To speak truth to power. How is God calling me to worship Him even when uh, it's it's a shameful thing in the eyes of the world? And so, um, yeah, I just I'm grateful for the opportunity to spend this time together. And let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, You are worthy. God, You're worthy of of being viewed as, as a fool by the world, God, of us being view, viewed as fools, God. Um, yeah, I just... Um, I just thank you that despite how difficult it might be at times, as tempting as it is to choose something else, that, that you are worthy. And we, we have a clear picture of of the way it is possible to live in a way that is adapting faithfully without assimilating selfishly, God. I pray that you would uh, be active and present amongst each and every one of us, that we would look to you and not our own determination or gifts or passions to, to live this life of exile well. God, I pray that you would help us remember that you have already uh, secured an inheritance for us in, in your homeland God I pray that our anticipation of that would be a, a joy and a and our strength at times and so uh, thank you for this this moment now and I pray that you would just continue to be active and present amongst us so I pray this in the name of your son Jesus Amen I love you guys take care